to Let's Talk Paranormal. Tonight, I want to start, well, I want to start discussing paranormal investigations in general. From what happens to what doesn't happen that you expect it to. As well as talking like about various pieces of equipment that is used. I want to go into more details about the equipment in some shows later next year um, because I want to do some roundtable discussions and do almost like a discussion on one piece of equipment and get different viewpoints from different people and then share these. Tonight's just kind of the introduction and that and we'll see where it goes. I might go and ramble on for 20 minutes about nothing. But as you may have heard in the last two episodes, I've been doing paranormal investigations for about 12 years. I had a about three to four year break in the middle. I then restarted thanks to Corin and Lee and joined them in their small paranormal team, the three of us, and we go out and investigate. So I've been to castles last week or last time we spoke about Tupperi Castle. I've been to jails, hotels, I've investigated in a field in the countryside. Um, but going back 12 years, going back to when I first started, these were public events I went to. There wasn't a group, it was literally a public event. And then there were we moved on to the private stuff where it's now just the three of us where possible. And so far we've been really lucky in that. So the idea behind an investigation is to go to a venue, research, investigate whether there are spirits and to try and communicate with them. The public events tend to be a very structured evening where you'll have an introduction, the history of the place, you may have an outline of how the night is going to proceed and of course the fun health and safety briefing which to be fair gets crazier and crazier um, where you're told you are working in the dark if you've not got a torch make sure you're with someone who has watch where you walk as we don't want you to kill yourself now this point they may split you down into smaller groups depending on like the size of the venue and the number of people attending if there's like 50 of you and there's 10 rooms you might be split down into five groups of 10 but you'll go off and investigate an area then go on to the next bit and go on to the next bit and you might have like a crossover where you go back to the hub and have a cup of coffee and a little chit chat with someone else who may have caught something or that and that's generally how a public event goes or well it was when I did them if I'm completely wrong please please tell me and I'll do a correction and then you got your private investigations format will vary 
And it will vary because it depends on where you're investigating and who is hosting that investigation. In this sense, rather than a public host where they'll be with you all night, this will be like the person looking after you. They're part of the venue if you've paid for a venue to visit. And they may take you around first off and give you a tour and talk to you and give suggestions of where to go. So two of the big ones that I remember are like Woodchester Mansion where we had Chris and he walked around with us and he told us the story of Woodchester and stuff. And then there was Derby Jail earlier this year where Denise and Richard, again, told us the stories. We said we didn't want too much of the history because we wanted to try and find it out ourselves, but they told us the history. And then they went off and left us be. They said, you can do what you like. We're in the rules. So from that, you might end up with a venue where you're just given a set of keys. Told, there you go, have fun. Uh, this could be because you've booked a hotel, station hotel in Dudley, for example. You'd go into the checking desk, say, I'm booking to 214 and 217. Oh, great, here, sign here, thanks, here's your keys. Or it could be something like another venue where you're given the code to get the key out the lock box and there's no one actually there to welcome you and then it's up to you. Now I prefer more the private investigations because you've got more freedom. If you want to spend more time in one room you can do that. If you then suddenly want to change your approach and go for a lone vigil or change the equipment you're using, you can. At times, like public investigations and that, because they've got to let everyone experience it, you might be rushed out of a room or that beforehand. So if I look at the team I belong to, we tend to start with the tour if we've got a host or we have a quick walk around ourselves to get an idea of the venue and where we might want to investigate and what we want to investigate during the day. We'll designate a room as a base, as a hub, where we can store our bags, our equipment. Ideally, there's PowerPoints because we have stuff to charge. And then we'll go off and do some location filming. So. We've got a YouTube channel, so we investigate and we produce a video, normally about 20 to 40 minute long video. And of course, at the start of any investigation video, you've got like your intro, your pan shots of the building with voiceover and stuff like that. And we'll get stuff ready because we do live streams. So we go on Facebook and YouTube and we stream for about an hour, two hours, depending on what's going on. Normally this is around nine o'clock so that we can get as many people 
watching us as possible and it doesn't interrupt our offline investigation if you like our, our, our investigation for the rest of the night now of course there's limitations to this if there's no Wi-Fi or 4G signal you, you can't do it and we've had it before where we've even had such weak signal I thought we were streaming well and it just didn't come out well so the live streams we avoid using any equipment that uses electromagnetic fields because the mobile if you're using a mobile it gives us so much EMF it sets the sensors off so it kind of debunks everything straight away it's gone off uh, how close is the mobile oh is that and things like that so we do calling out we do um spirit box afterlight which is a windows application again we'll i may touch on this a bit more later but during the live streams we're getting feedback from people watching so it might be go upstairs if we're in a two-story building or leave Alex in the, the cellar by himself or like recently we've been we did five nights at 30 East Drive so for three of those nights we each did a lone vigil and people chose who did which night so Lee went first then Corinne the next night and I got the final night now once these live streams have completed we will then regroup ourselves have a break snack drink toilet break and get ourselves ready for our investigation so this will be where we'll get our cameras set up normally we've already got them ready and we just need to press play and do the the claps and this is the technical bit it's not really we use in our group free lock-off cameras free DVR cameras and free face cameras so in total we've got nine cameras rolling at all times when it comes to editing nine bits of footage, you've got to line up nine tracks of sound. The best way to do that is having a signal at the beginning of the track to say, this is where we start, and that's the three claps. Actually, I think it's more five claps we do. And we use that to sync all the audio for the video up. Some groups work differently and it is totally their decision how they work. You've got groups out there that will only have the one night vision camera and hope it's pointing in the right direction. I've seen videos where they've gone, I've just seen someone go through the wall and the camera's been pointed the wrong way. I know Lee will tell you about that. 
if we do a round table concerning the cameras. But we do ours our way because we want to prove things aren't us. So we've had various points where we a sound has been picked up on camera. It may be a whistle, it may be something saying housekeeper or something like that. How can we prove it wasn't one of us? And that's where these face cameras come in. Because they're pointing at us, we've got the camera in front of us. I could be pointing at a wall, the voice comes across. I've got a face cam pointing at me that can prove my lips did not move. Same with Lee, same with Corin. So, other examples of this, and this is actually going to be an example. We haven't released the footage yet. It's going to be very, very debatable, and it'll be interesting how it comes out. So, going back to First East Drive, on the first night we were there during the live feed, we had no camera pointing, and a bedroom door that was shut, opened. Now, we got pre-warned about this, but we didn't think anything of it. So, yes, the door opened, but at that point, our scepticism was at 100%. Was the door shut properly? Did a piece of wind close? Because we'd done it early in the day. Some of the other doors opened, and we realised it was because someone walked down the corridor and the wind had just unlatched it. So, second night, live stream. The afterlight box had just gone malicious and the door opens. Now, we're, the camera's in the best position this time. I'm sat in front of the door. I can tell straight from the live feed it wasn't me. But, again, suspiciousness of something natural reduces ever so slightly so we're now probably about mm, overall I think about 90 to 80 percent the door opened but we didn't capture the door opening on camera we got the voice and we got the click of the door and me going the door's just opened which is all great we now move on to night five. Actually, I should go back to day three. Either day three or day two, Lee and Corinne went up and tried to examine the door. So, when we release the videos, if you ever go and watch them, you'll see the door and you'll see that the screws holding the door handle have come out and you can tell someone's been trying to debunk the door so we do some experiments so the door's sharp and you can hear it click sharp so it's not a case of it it closes and there's no click there's a obvious click on it and we apply pressure to the door to get it to open and it does apply enough pressure and the door would open but it would swing 
Q knight five. So our final night in the house. We're doing our final lone vigils. And I've gone up into the little girl's room. Corinne is down in the front room. Lee is in the boys' room. We have rigged a lock off camera in the room with me, a lock off camera on the hallway, and of course, I've got my camera pointing at the door and my face cam, and we've made sure that door closes. And I'm just talking. To be honest, I don't know what I was talking about. I probably got to the point where I was just rambling like I am now. And then suddenly, click. The door opens. Doesn't swing open, it only opens slightly. So, my first reaction is what do I do? I call out, I'm not moving from where I am. I'm going to stay here and let the others come to me just to prove it wasn't me. Now, that's why we do what we do and how we do the thing we do with the cameras. And hopefully, I think in the new year we'll probably have those videos released and I'll let you know when they're released so that you can go and have a look. But, Back to the investigations in general. There is a lot of calling out that is done. And you could be sitting there for three hours in complete darkness with no one talking back to you. So what 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 do you do to see if there's something else? So as I said earlier, during the live streams, we don't use EMF meters because the mobile reception gives off too much EMF to identify if something's there. So we're not live streaming now. We're in the sense offline. Yes, camera gives off EMF. A light will give off EMF. Hang on, lights switched off. Amount of EMF being transmitted, minimal. So we start using EMF meters, K2 meters, mel meters. I'd love to use a REM pod, but I don't have any yet. So this is where you now start using these devices to call out, saying if anyone's here, Please show yourself. Come towards the device. This device in my hand will change colour. Some of the other equipment that we'd use is like the spirit box. So this scans through the frequencies. So yes, you pick up radio stations, but if you're scanning quick enough, you can't make the words. And what you're hoping is this scanning will produce words when you ask questions like if anyone's there can you say my name so and the other one of course talking about 
Spirit's talking to us is what's called an EV, EVP burst. And this will be a dictaphone. You record for about a minute, two minutes, asking questions, and then once you've done, you immediately play it back to see if you've picked anything up. But generally, during these calling out sessions, we've got the dictaphones playing so that we can then review and use like graphic equalizers to bring down the frequency so that we can see if we've picked something up. Now, because of how we work and the cameras we use, we have to take a break about every 90 minutes because our tapes run out. We still use old-fashioned DV tapes for our cameras. No, not digital. The, the lock-off cameras and the face cams are digital. But the actual main cameras we use are original Sony DV cameras, so mini DV tapes, which last 90 minutes. So we have to do a swap out, and we get through two or three tapes in an investigation if not more. And when you're talking about swapping tapes out, you're of course swapping batteries out and we've got IR lights and everything. So in our hub, we have got stacks of batteries sitting there waiting to be swapped out because like an IR light might take four batteries or four AA batteries or a nine volt battery. We've got camcorder batteries sitting there. We've got charging points for the Bluetooth speaker for the afterlight box and things like that. So you will go through lots of batteries. But going back to the beginning, when you first start, you start with nothing. You might have camera. And it'll be a simple point-click camera. You might be lucky and have a night vision camera, camcorder, which I find they're hard to get hold of these days. And you've got yourself. And you go to these events and you're reliant more on what you feel and potentially mentally here than say us now where we are more using technology and equipment to help and aid in what we want to do. Now I think in some ways equipment's taking over a bit too much and we all need to roll back to how we feel, what we sense and that. I know people don't like expressing this because they don't want to be classed as mad. They don't want, it's a personal experience. You can't, at times you can't prove a personal experience. Like that story last week or two weeks ago, I keep saying last week, it's two weeks ago from Tutbury. That was a personal experience. 
No one else there felt it. No one else there experienced it. It was just me. And the one thing I'd like to do over the next year is to spend more time accepting what I feel, what I sense, and potentially what I hear. Not call it paranormal, but open up to the view it could be something. I think for myself, uh, when I took my break from paranormal investigations, I closed off a lot. I closed those feelings off because I was starting to feel a lot more like uh, psychically. But I closed it all off and hopefully, as I say, like next year, I can almost knock those walls down and get back there. But I want to also be able to back it up. Whether that's an EVP, a temperature change, a camera picking up a full apparition of a ghost. And if that happened, that'd be amazing. We'll see. But as I say, this is just a brief overview, says after 20 minutes of talking, of paranormal investigations. And kind of how I work within them. Um, it is, honestly, I've only skimmed the surface. I want to do some roundtable discussions on equipment. If I can get some experts in different equipments or people that use them regularly to join us as well, it'll be great. I want to get the guys from the team I belong to to come and join us during these discussions because I know Lee and I have this discussion over using tape and using digital and that. But I really hope you've enjoyed this. I really hope that you want to learn more about investigations, about equipment used during investigations, or you want to come and share your experiences, your view on things like that. If you do, either leave a comment below or head across to our Facebook page and get in contact with us. And we can arrange something to discuss it and maybe come on and join in the discussions as I'm still looking I might open up the round table to a live feed rather than a pre-recorded feed but until next time thank you for listening go and follow us on our podcast like the podcast Go on Instagram and Facebook, just put in Let's Talk Paranormal and you should find us. And until next time, goodbye.